Spectre Cinema Club episode 141. Jordan Beaumont Anderson gives Stay Alive 1.5 stars, saying, Like the Ring was rushed to the hospital because it drank too much Axe body spray. What's up, gamers? It's Garrett McDowell, co-host of Spectre Cinema Club, a podcast obsessed with the horror subgenres. Uh, I am, as I said, Garrett McDowell. Uh, sitting across from me virtually, it's Devon Taylor. Hello, hello. Game on, everybody. Game on. <laughs> uh, we are uh, in week two of our Wi-Fi or Die um, month here, talking internet horror, social media horror, and I guess now a little video games horror, because after rewatching this, I kind of thought that there was more online gameplay in this, and there's kind of not, but you know what? It, we got a smidge of it in there, so it squeaks into the month. Um, yeah, it, it counts. On a technicality, it counts. We'll certainly get into it about how accurate this is to uh, the online gaming experience, but yeah, I think it... Uh, it I, I'm counting it, Devon. You know, it works for me. I mean, it counts not only just because, you know, we were going to include it in, but then, like, it was the movie that kept coming up the most when people were suggesting uh, movies for this month. And I, I initially did not want to do it, but then it just kept coming up so many times that I was like, all right, this movie cannot be denied. So uh, so we're going to go ahead and get into it because, I mean, we do need an early representation of uh, Internet uh, horror as well. So uh, I'd say this is because I think this is actually like the earliest one that we're going to do this month. Um, mm -hmm. But excited to get into it with a uh, we got a, a podcast crossover happening right now. Um, we have the duo behind the Girl That's Scary podcast. Welcome on, Cat and Jazz. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourselves individually with uh, your name and also your favorite flavor or variant of Mountain Dew because we're gamers today. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm Cat. Uh, one half a Girl That's Scary, Cat or Cat Daddy. And I don't really drink soda like that, but if I did, it'd be regular degular. Mountain Dew. OG. Um, Nothing wrong with the yeah. OG. Keeping it classic. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, I support you because I don't drink a lot of soda. But hey, guys, it's Jazz, the 40 ounce connoisseur. And I usually, I don't drink soda either, but the blue one, I don't know what mm. that's called, but that blue joint. I remember when Code Red came out back in the day. It was cool and all, but it was too much. That blue joint. That mm -hmm. I can't even tell you what flavor so, it is, but I know it's like icy blue. I can tell you because I was looking these up earlier whenever uh, me and Garrett were talking about Mountain Dew on Twitter. Uh, the blue one is Voltage, which is uh, which would have been my favorite as well. Um, it looks like mm -hmm. antifreeze. It looks dangerous to drink, yes. but it was uh, delicious. <laughs> um, I know everyone, you know, rides hard for the Baja Blast. I'm not a fan uh, uh, myself. Uh, Garrett, do you have a, a Mountain Dew favorite flavor? Well, I love that jazz referred to Mountain Dew the same way that most people refer to Gatorade as their color and not their flavor. Uh, but yeah. I am a Baja Blast boy. I don't drink soda also. Um, I, I'm a, just a typical kind of water guy. Uh, but Mountain Dew is the only soda that if I go to like a fast food place, specifically Taco Bell, I'm like, y you got to, you, you have to get uh, Baja Blast. So that is the only Mountain Dew that has withstood for me. I haven't had a, a sip of the Dew in, in many a year, uh, Devon. 
I'm not a, I'm not a soda person either, except I drink uh, root beer or cream soda when I go to the theaters. That is oh, yeah. the only, those are the only sodas I drink. Besides that, Get not that a... Barks Red Cream Soda? I know what you're talking about. Oh, you know me. You know me. Um, you're but so we're from not... the Midwest. <laughs> well, I, I, exactly, exactly. Fitz's in uh, St. Louis. Anybody knows what I'm talking about, check out Fitz's. Um, but we're not here to talk about soda. We're here to talk about uh, some horror movies, some internet horror movies. But before we get into our main uh, movie for the episode, we like to ask our guests, because we uh, go into subgenres here on the pod, uh, what are a couple of your favorite subgenres? Uh, look into my left foot. I'll start with Kat. Uh, well, hey, hey, hey. Uh, what I think my fave, um, my faves are just my faves right now are my faves forever. Uh, it's zombies and cannibalism, which kind of goes hand in hand because people are being eaten. They're the only things that kind of scare me at all. It's just something about people resorting to eating other people that really fucks me up. Um, but whoo, <laughs> it's like, please don't do it. Um, but those are my faves. They they always know how to deliver. Yeah, uh, I love that cat is one of the five people that fucked with our cannibalism theme month. <laughs> right, right. For some reason, our cannibalism month flopped, and that was upsetting because I thought I thought those were some really great movies and episodes we covered. But uh, it, it, all of a sudden, now people have been tweeting about sexy cannibals. I'm like, hey, hey, where were y'all in November? Um, <laughs> you know, assholes. Um, but uh, but yeah, so so a big fan of cannibalism here. Actually, zombies are my least favorite subgenre, but. We can debate that another day. Uh, Jazz, what about you for some of your favorite subgenres? Um, I love a good Jalo film. Um, it's the outfits for me. Mm-hmm. It's the outfits yeah. for me. Oh boy, the outfits. I know the dubbing is shaky. Okay, I know the blood is bright red. Mind your business. You use your imagination, okay? And of course, French Extremity. I like French Extreme films. They're they're a really good time. I will tell anybody to watch Titana anytime they could get. Like, please watch that wild ass movie. But you know, we just talk about you know American films. I go for like supernatural. I like demons, not ghosts. Ghosts are not given enough danger. I need a demon because demons are gonna you know they're gonna ruin your credit. They're gonna fuck up your job. They're gonna mess up all your relationships. Go fuck around, break a few of your bones. Like they're gonna do a whole lot of more damage than you know hooting and hollering in the middle of the night like a ghost would do. So definitely demons. Oh, I feel you there. I'm a I'm definitely a more uh, I lean possession over over like haunted house stuff typically. So so I'm there with you there on the demons over ghost uh, debate there. Yeah, we are certainly going to be uh, uh, exercising some uh, demons and some ghosts on uh, today's episode, which I'm uh, very excited to revisit this one. I'm curious to see what everybody's like kind of journey was with this. Like, you know, at what age did you watch this? Was it on TV? Was it on, v- you know, from your local blockbuster? I'm I'm, I'm fascinated to know. Yeah, let's go ahead and uh, take a trip back to uh, the year of our Lord, 2006, and, uh, and uh, get into uh, the movie for today's episode. Stay Alive, released March 24th, 2006, directed by William Brent Bell. That name might sound familiar. Um, he is director of One Orphan First Kill that came out last year, um, my, one of my favorite movies of the year, uh, Stan Queen Esther. Uh, so we'll be talking about Brent Bell another day uh, at some point. He also directed The Boy uh, 1 and 2. The Boy 1, pretty lit. Boy 2, uh, 
Um, this guy has an interesting track record. Uh, he also made The Devil Inside, which like uh, doesn't have an ending to the movie. It just uh, ends with a link to a website. Um, the, so uh, he's had an interesting career, to say the least. Written by uh, Bell and Matthew Peterman. Cinematography done by Alejandro Martinez. Uh, score done by John Frizzle. Um, not the best uh, discography, but a very eclectic one. He did uh, 13 Ghosts, Dante's Peak, The Roommate, and Josie and the Pussycats. Uh, so he, he does got range. Uh, he stays working. Uh, edited by Mark <laughs> Stevens. Uh, the box office, not great on this one. It only made $27.1 million against his $21 million budget, a.k.a. a big old flop. Um, and uh, the Rotten Tomato score has this at a 10% out of 59 reviews. Cat uh, or Jazz, can either of you guess the letterbox average rating up? I'm guessing a three. I'm guessing a three because they're hating. They're hating right now. <laughs> I don't appreciate that 10%. I've seen far worse movies. Now I get some of the logic. It's a little shaky, but you don't ask many questions. I'm guessing a three. I feel like maybe a 2.5 but i'm pushing it to three because i have hope okay so you're feeling a little optimistic uh cat what about you i think it's some haters on the internet and they gave it a two <laughs> so um and does kind of split the difference between your guys's guesses it is a 2.3 out of five on a letterbox right now um i feel like it was very hated on upon release i have kind of seen people start coming out of the woodwork defending this movie and uh starting to claim it um, so, so yeah, so we, uh, we'll get into it, but, um, this was, uh, you guys, uh, decided, uh, it was between this or Cam, and I figured, uh, let's go, uh, the earlier route between this, so, uh, uh, which one of you wants to tell us, uh, what you, uh, your initial thoughts on Stay Alive and, uh, how you feel about it today? I believe that I saw this movie in theaters. 2006, I was in high school, and I was definitely in the movie theaters around that time. All they gave me was, uh, video games. And I was like, hey, that's Boy from Malcolm in the Middle. Okay, let's watch this movie. That's lit. Let's, you know, let's go. That's it. I, I went for that, these, like, just that baseline. It's a video game, scary movie. And I, I had a good time. I was unaware of all of the haters in the room. I didn't know there was so much hateration in this dancery. Okay, because I I, did, I wasn't online reading, you know, reviews or anything. I'm like, what, 15? No, yeah, about 15, 16. At this. So I'm definitely not on the internet looking at Roger Ebert or nobody. Else. I don't give a damn. I came to see it and I was like, oh, I liked it. And then you just didn't hear from the movie no more. You had to kind of like rent it or get it, get it off a of Netflix DVD. Too much. Mm -hmm. I feel that. I feel that. Uh, what about you, Cap? I too saw this movie in the movie theaters. Um, I was a child of the internet, but also a lot of, at this time, like we're still really much in the physical media, right? Like the internet is the internet, but like not like the internet today. So riding the train to school, they had like a free newspaper. So that's where you get all the blurbs. Mm -hmm. Like instead of just like fully subscribing to like the full on newspaper, you just got something like kind of mobile. Um, so I remember the girls were eating this movie up, okay? People were not rocking with this movie. And I really feel like, this movie was ahead of its time. Yes, I have my nostalgia glasses on, but like think about all of the internet video game based horror that came after this and think about what existed at this time. It wasn't really much which already came out unless it was like a B-list movie that nobody heard about, which is not shady to the movie, but like actual like movies that would come out. Like at this point we had like what? The Ring, 
you probably had a couple other movies that had like some sort of technology is whooping your ass. It's not much. Did we even get um, Pulse yet? Like, I can't remember if that's around, around this time. time. Around the same time. Right. So it's not that many. But then think about what we all have now. Okay. This movie ran, like literally ran full speed so y'all could take off in a jet. That's that's how I feel about uh, Stay Alive. It is a movie. It is indeed a movie. Um, uh, again, um, you know, uh, I, I'll, I guess since maybe since I know I have a low opinion, I'll wait to go last. So, Garrett, why don't you uh, give us your initial thoughts first? Uh, before I do, I do want to note that uh, technology is whooping your ass is a way better month title name than Wi-Fi or Die. <laughs> hey, so we should should have went with that one, probably. <laughs> you know, I like to keep it a little bit corny on, yeah. on the monthly theme titles. <laughs> exactly. Uh, this one for me was really weird rewatching because uh, I had even uh, told Devon when we announced that we were uh, discussing these films. This was a movie that I saw way too young probably on television and it scared the shit out of me this movie came out uh 2006 i would have been just seven years old uh, uh and then remember catching it on like a tnt usa tv something like that uh and it scared me to death uh but i hadn't seen the movie in i don't know 15 years or so uh and so it was like such a foggy memory of this movie. I remember some sequences, some character designs. I remember Frankie Muniz wore like one of those weird, like green see-through banker hats from like the fifties for some reason. And that's kind of it. So rewatching this movie, it was a real uh, pleasure to see the sequences and be like, oh man, that part scared me to death when I was a kid. That part, that, uh, you know, the, the, the lead ghost that is like haunting these people really freaked me out. Some of the stuff with the horses and the chariot. It was fun rewatching it as an adult and realizing it's kind of silly. It's fun. Like it, it's, it's a pretty goofy, uh, a good time. Uh, I don't think it's trying super, super hard. Um, I think in retrospect, there are some things about this film that I find quite innovative uh, and, and, and a bit ahead of its time, especially in regards to online gaming and then there's some things that i'm just very clearly like oh they've never talked to anyone who's ever you know played a video game before in their life so there's some stuff in this that's certainly silly but i love how this movie has like an urban legend sort of angle to it uh and i think riffs on some of the uh uh kind of horror archetypes of the time in a fun way and offer something uh, uh kind of fresh fresh enough to be a unique experience but definitely you can see the dna of some uh, other things in here so this was fun certainly enjoyed it uh but i don't think it's going to be uh uh you know on my yearly rotation uh, uh you know each year i think this was uh, a fun trip down memory lane but not too much else i will say the the time capsule aspect is uh one of the the aspects of that I did quite enjoy it does it does capture uh this time in a in a very specific and fun way uh even like even from the way that they talked like because like the dialogue is bad but it also does still kind of feel like yeah that is kind of the way we were talking back then um uh, you know so uh yeah I had seen this while I was younger I think that was the, the last time I'd watched it too was like pretty way back and uh yeah I remember you know being like kind of having fun with it it was kind of creeped out it was, a, it was a fun like you know like spend the night at a friend's house watch of a movie you know um right after we like got done playing Need for Speed for five hours or something you know so <laughs> uh so yeah it did kind of transport transport me back to that a little bit um but uh but now knowing uh, uh, what Brent Bell is capable of it's kind of hard to look back at this and be like okay like because like the thing with this movie is like it does have some great ideas but it is trying way too hard and being way too serious. 
And it's like, if they would have been able to uh, kind of have a different tone with it, uh, then again, at this time in the early aughts, like it was kind of always trying to be edgy and creepy and like, you know, and like kind of get, get you with the quick scares and everything uh, rather than uh, kind of knowing its lane and playing into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, no pun intended there. Uh, but uh, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just kind of a very tonal mess of a movie and just like kind of going from like how silly its premise is and then seeing kind of like the direction that they take it in uh, just uh, really doesn't work. And unfortunately, neither does um, the PG-13 rating either. Uh, not one to shit on PG-13 horror movies because it can totally work. Um, but this movie didn't really come up with like clever workarounds around uh, getting around the violence and the kills of it. It would just kind of literally skip to the next scene. Um, apparently, there is an unrated version that you can watch on DVD but only mm-hmm. on DVD. It's not it's not streaming anywhere and I don't even think it's a ta- and I don't think there's a Blu-ray release for this. So, you can hunt down the unrated Stay Alive DVD. Might be worth some money. It's probably going to be an expensive buy on eBay possibly. Um but but that definitely shows a little bit. Now I'm I am intrigued to be like, okay, maybe if I watch the unrated version, I at least got like the visuals of it. Uh maybe it would have uh, made for a a better watch for me uh i didn't like actively like dislike it while i was watching but it was kind of a lot of eye rolling on just kind of being like uh because it's it's a lot of them actually trying you know it it would be different if this was like a lazy movie and then like can kind of just like be like oh they're they're not trying to do too much here and it's like no 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 unfortunately they are trying really hard and kind of failing in a lot of aspects but but there is still fun to be had i did still have some good chuckles uh, mainly through uh, Frankie Muniz's character, uh, Swink, the most 2006 gamer name that they could think of, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so yeah, there's uh, there's uh, some fun ideas in here for sure, and uh, and uh, intrigued to get into kind of more of a uh, looking at it through a modern lens now uh, versus uh, the kind of technology of that time. Um, but uh, so I, we we kind of have an interesting conundrum here, Garrett. Because we usually don't have two guests on, and I so I just I, I offer it to uh, the gals to decide amongst them if they want to either tag team the sixty second synopsis or one of you can take it if uh, one of you just is feeling real confident with it. So, uh, what are you guys feeling? Uh, maybe we should tag team. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna just talk, it. and then you just just we just gonna go from there. Just let us know when we're ready. All right, we're gonna All do right. it. We're gonna do it cipher style. I got you on the clock here in three, two, one, go. A gag or friends decide to play a video game and they think they're about to whip ass in a video game. Instead, the video game decides to whip their ass back. That's exactly what we're getting to. All the friends are playing some kind of haunted seance video game that's in the style of Silent Hill or something like that. You hunt going through the house and you can't you have one life and that life is actually attached to your life now. So, you know, you gotta be real careful about that because it's almost like and Crash Bandicoot, when you run out of lives and I'll run out of peaches, I think they peaches or apricots, whatever they are, you are going to get your ass whooped by a lady in a red dress who means business. That's what's going to happen. Yep. Bada bang. We had some time to spare there, too. Nice, but nice and concise. Uh, I was not a big gamer, but I did play Crash Bandicoot, and they were mangoes, apparently. Uh, he they cra- were mangoes. Cra- really? Crash is a big fan of mangoes, apparently. Uh, okay. but, uh, but, but nice job, uh, nice, uh, work there. Um, so yeah, so it's, a uh, it's very funny because, uh, ev- almost every poster and like a uh, blurb is like the exact same thing as hardcore gamers get together, 
and when you die in the game, you literally die. And, like, that's how all of the, like, taglines are written. They really were pushing. Uh, so I, I feel like that was maybe the genesis of, uh, of this script was, hey, you play a video game, and when you die in the game, you die in real life. It kind of feels like that's where they spun off uh, the idea, maybe not for um, a passion for gaming or uh, or a history of Elizabeth Bathory, but probably that tagline. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's certainly accurate. This really is one of those like kind of, you know, high concept elevator pitch sort of horror movies. It's pretty easy to get uh, the uh, premise of the game across. And I think that uh, I don't want to spoil too much of my movie math equation, but I think that there are some other uh, films, not necessarily horror too, that have a similar premise that this movie was like, oh, what if we did this, but just a little bit different again. And I, I mentioned in kind of my overall thoughts in the film, uh, I think the DNA is certainly felt, but I, I think that this movie offers kind of enough seasoning to make it a different experience, if you will. Yeah, I, I, I would definitely, I, you can, you can tell it has influence from a lot of the movies that were like kind of coming out at the time. Uh, and especially again, like this, uh you know, blossoming of people getting involved with technology and things like that. Uh, so I guess as far as subgenres go and tying this into the month, uh, yeah, so you definitely do have this uh, this video game stuff. Uh, they definitely uh, seem to have been sponsored by Alienware, uh, the, the, <laughs> the very popular gaming PC uh, company, uh, because it's all over. It even saves the day at the end of the movie. Um, but yeah, but they, they all played together, but then they, they played online with like one guy in the, in the office. So we did have a, a smidge of actual, like, I guess, quote unquote online play. Um, but I think in theory, the, the beta testing with the game was that it is capable of playing online. Um, but is it actually online? Because it's just also the ghost powers of the game that could be just like connecting everybody. So so it, hard to say we're we're on ghost Wi-Fi here, actually. Yeah, I noticed that as well. There's like several scenes where Frankie Muniz, like, you know, is bringing his laptop and playing on the go unless he has like a, a portable modem or router at that time, which 2006, I don't know. He was a pretty tech savvy guy. I wouldn't put it past him, but I, I have to wonder. I'm like, you guys are like at this old southern plantation. Where the hell are you getting Wi-Fi at? <laughs> Yeah, I didn't understand because we was some people were still using discs to get a little internet. Yep, yeah, back mm -hmm. then. I mean, but y'all said that he was real tech savvy. So me suspending my disbelief, he could have had like I don't know if y'all remember, but the Wi-Fi things were like huge. They were like the size of like I don't know two small iPhones put together, and they were about a stack of a quarter thick. They were thick, like a yeah. thick like. Mm -hmm. um you know like a memory stick or like a little box mm -hmm. or whatever i'm grandma but like you could have that he had that big backpack it could have oh, been at yeah, the bottom probably. of the backpack for me it was just i don't remember the playstation 2 being able to connect to the internet like this like what kind of what kind of game console y'all got because i didn't have that one yeah <laughs> because yeah we see at the end of the game that it's being released on ps2 um and that definitely like matches like the graphics and stuff which actually weren't too bad i'll say like i would play this game like it, it actually didn't look too bad it looked creepy and genuinely like a like a video game but uh but yeah but they brought out like it was funny because they like brought over like a bunch of equipment like when they came over to like play together and uh and so i don't know what console that was what and then people were playing it on laptops as well uh so yeah. one disc was compatible but again because this is a ghost game the, the developer is literally a ghost 
so so and and this movie kind of falls on that a lot too with a disregard to the rules uh throughout the movie is just because it's like oh well it's a ghost i guess it really doesn't matter at the end in the end anyways um but we uh you know we go into we uh, uh dive into subgenres here on the podcast and uh some of the ones that i was picking up on aside from uh you know we have this like kind of digital horror angle uh we do have some gothic horror as far as like uh some of the locations and like connecting all these like locations to the history of uh of the of the of the uh setting and the the in-story video game as well uh which kind of gives it like a, a neo folk uh vibe as well and uh garrett kind of called out like uh the urban legend vibes um, but, uh, Cat and Jazz, what were some of the, uh, subgenres that were kind of sticking out for you in this movie? Um, I think pretty much the same as what you pointed out. Like, it definitely has the, you know, the video game technology kind of horror situation. It's not that many movies that are at this particular time that are falling into that. You definitely have, like, an urban legend situation. What really threw me off is, like, the Elizabeth Bathory and where this movie is deciding to take this direction so i'm just like ooh, like i want to put it in a category of like but this is not historically correct like, <laughs> like where do we get plantation like <laughs> everything still feels wrong um but those are the two that dropped out that jumped out for me um i i wish we did this the the southern gothic without the plantation um but you know hey sarate <laughs> I don't know if, if they can do a lot of something gothic because you know the first thing they're going to do is show you a plantation, girl. That is the, the number one thing on the list. I think I was get, getting definitely ghosts because it's a big, clearly it's a ghost controlling everything. Um, definitely a bit of gothic because I didn't remember it being gothic at all. And so I was like, oh, it's a lot of stuff taking place in this house and it, these wallpapers and these large archways, lots of creaking stairs and things like that. So definitely get that. Um, I wanted to say at the beginning, I'm like, oh, it's a pinch of sci-fi, but it's not a pinch of sci-fi because I'm like, this is a ghost or demon or ghost. I'm not all the way sure uh, what it is. It was also like a curse movie, kind of like mm -hmm. this is kind of like a spell. Like you kind of have to do a seance and every time you do this, there has to be some kind of curse attached. Even a lot of urban legends are curses. You do this thing, now you're cursed until this thing happens to you or you know you said the thing and you died in the game so now that's your ass mr postman yes yeah there is always kind of a um uh tied into the the urban legend like uh the, the curse angle was again very popular at this time with uh and and again finding ways to like kind of tie it into technology because i guess playing the video game was essentially they said it at one point said it was like a seance um, because they all read a thing out loud before they start playing and that activated the game uh, which uh, again they they even call out that they don't have like voice recognized stuff for their video games yet but yet they are like still going with it like from the gate um, so yeah there, there's always kind of that tying into it uh, the history angle is uh, yeah interesting as well uh, as far as like yeah the you know we've seen many movies take on uh, Elizabeth Bathory and Speaking of uh, taking on lots of them, this is the third movie that has direct tie-ins to Elizabeth Bathory that we've done here on the podcast. Uh, one just a few weeks ago with uh, Dars of Darkness, and then uh, the Neon Demon has uh, some homages to Elizabeth Bathory. So uh, it keeps popping up here. She's uh, she's a popular gal here uh, in the Spectre, Spectre Cinema Club. And but I do appreciate, even though it takes place on a plantation, I'm glad that they didn't like explicitly be like. 
oh yeah, it was slaves and it was killing a bunch of black kids. It was like all the ghosts were at least like blue and indiscriminate. So I like to think I'm like, okay, she didn't, she didn't have a preference because they, they did just say she like killed a lot of girls. Uh, they didn't do what like um, American Horror Story Coven did, which was uh, literally go into that it was all slaves and stuff. And I was like, so I'm glad they didn't actually push it as far into that, you know, category because we didn't need it. We definitely didn't need that. <laughs> Yeah, I certainly understand not wanting the film to go in that direction, but I think I agree with Kat in the sense that like the the film takes place in the South and I think that there's such a rich culture there in regards to like hoodoo and how that ties into uh, the demographic of the area and, and all of that. So I wish the film would have leaned into that more rather than this person who died like hundreds and hundreds of years before. It, it And I think it also just... I, I, what has Elizabeth Bathory been doing for hundreds of years? Has she been exactly. waiting for a video game to come out? Like, why does she Bruh. go to this first? Like, hey, developing it... a video game takes time, Garrett. It takes a lot of time. She was energy. trying to avoid crunch is what you're saying. <laughs> she was doing it by herself. She was exactly. a one-person team. Exactly. That's hilarious. She finally just got it. This is a beta test for everybody to to play. Uh, but yeah, I think as far as other subgenres in the film, uh, there's certainly like a revenge angle to the movie, especially from... Uh, Elizabeth Bathory's uh, perspective. There's a survival horror element to it, uh, something also found in uh, Final Destination, which I think this movie shares a lot uh, in common with. But yeah, I think the uh, technology and urban legend and the way that those two subgenres kind of uh, are paired together in this, I found really interesting because most oftentimes, especially in recent years, the urban legend side of the internet is mostly just sort of relegated to this character is getting haunted and they go to their local library or, you know, they open their phone and they Google something and they try to figure out, which this movie also has too. Uh, but I like that this film and the technology was directly related to the urban horror and kind of how that, you know, Bloody Mary-esque sort of folktale is shared uh, amongst others and becomes this sort of viral sensation that we see at the end of the movie which i i felt like was a even though it doesn't quite line up with the technology at the time i still thought was kind of a a cool eerie tone to end the movie on and i feel like with the the technology angle that they're going for too like uh i feel like this is gonna be my biggest reach of the of the movie here maybe giving it a little bit more credit than it deserves but uh you know with uh bringing the video games in to like kind of try to uh relate to the the people of this age that were you know were gamers and stuff to kind of uh, teach them a lesson in mortality uh to a degree you know in a way that um you know the the main character like you know he, you kind of watch him go through it like for a lot of the movie of him like being like oh my god i hate that like all these people like keep dying and like so there's like kind of that angle and then like tying it in with the angle of a video game, you typically get multiple lives and it's okay if you die and you can, you know, keep going and you can usually find ways to gain more lives and things like that. And then with this one, it's like, no, 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 this is the video game where you do get one life and it is your like one real one. So it's like, you really got to be careful and, you know, they maybe could have leaned into that a little bit more other than uh, Hutch just being, you know, very distraught for most of the movie, which, I mean, understandably so. I mean, he, you know, people around him are dying, but yeah, so so there might have been some sort of lesson in mortality there. But uh, but uh, speaking of Hutch, we already shouted out uh, Frankie Muniz as a swink. So uh, let's uh, talk about some of these characters of our, again, our hardcore gamers. Uh, we have uh, we got Hutch, Swink. Uh, we have uh, October, who uh, apparently dabbles in witchcraft. 
um, and kind of finds this information about Elizabeth Bathory, and then um, you had her brother Phineas, the the real wacky one, and then uh, and then Abigail, the uh, the sketchy red herring of the movie. Like, was she supposed to be a red herring? Because I kept feeling that, and I was rewatching the movie, going, "Wait, is she Elizabeth Bathory?" I was mm-hmm. like, and I thought that that was gonna be like a fun twist at the end, and then I was kind of disappointed when it wasn't. Um, but did she like feel like that to you guys? I don't know. I might have been just like kind of uneased by her she just felt like an over-the-top character who may or may not be somebody's girlfriend who was going to bring the drama for me i didn't even think of her as a red herring i just thought she was somebody who was trying their best to act through the movie i don't know i haven't seen the unrated version but what from i do know about it is there is an additional character added to that and a subplot so i don't know if some of that was maybe worked into into um, you know, her character and maybe flesh that out a bit more. Unfortunately, I, I, I don't have uh, access to the DVD on hand, but I'm curious if that additional B plot did impact her character specifically, because I also felt, excuse me, that she was uh, a little vague in also like sort of a red herring direction. I think all of the characters are, are vague enough. So I, I was just maybe wondering if anybody was going to be involved, but most of the characters are kind of just there until they're not, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, the only ones that I would have also been sketched would have been like Phineas, because like at the end he was like, so he was the one that was like, okay, like let's play. And then like after, even though like another person died, he was like still the one that was like, ah, you, you grieve in your own way. I still want to play because I'm a real gamer. Uh, and it was just like, bro, like calm down. So I, I started getting some weird vibes from him too. But it was just like it was so funny the way that they introduced Abigail of her taking pictures at a funeral giving her number out at a funeral. I mean, I guess like get it if you want. Um, and it was just a, she was just giving me weird vibes. So, and, and she like kind of like looked like her a little bit. And I was like, this would have been fun if like, Oh, he's been like uh, sleeping with a ghost this whole time, even though I guess they don't really sleep together. They just play games. But, um, but yeah, you know, uh, I, Phineas, uh, Jimmy Smith, he's uh, trying to do a lot, you know, doing his, a comedic thing he's a funny guy but he is also uh one of those guys that plays the same guy a lot of times and you know mm-hmm. he, he he's doing it he, he's trying but uh but um uh i don't know him him in october actually had a had a nice little like sibling dynamic which i thought was fun like october a lot although it, it's very telling that they were going oh she does witchcraft let, let's make her look like this like off blair witch too um definitely look like that girl i was like why do they all have that that one look they all don't look <laughs> like that y'all made that up but or, of course you know the odds would definitely do that because i was like oh, yeah. mm, y'all made them definitely a one-pager y'all definitely did this but that's okay i still rock with her like october justice for october uh, I love how a lot of the characters in this movie uh, sound like they could also be in the Matrix. Uh, we have Swink and Hutch and October. They all, you know, they seem like they could be on the same crew as like Cipher or Tank or something like that. I thought that was right. fun that they all had very like colorful, playful names, which might be their gamer tag or is that their God given name? I don't know. It's not super clear. <laughs> Yeah, they they never yeah like I I was like trying to think of them like what two words like did they put together for Swink I was like is he supposed to be like a swaggy twink is he supposed to be like uh like I I don't know like I I need to know the 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 uh, thing behind him but uh, I do have the most notes uh from Swink because he did have the uh some of the more fun lines uh through it uh, I really love. Uh, we're in the bitch's backyard whenever they uh, realize that they're at the plantation. I thought that was hilarious. And then uh, him also yelling at a ghost saying, bitch, that's cheating. I'm not dead yet. 
Mm-hmm. So, so uh, Swink did have uh, some of my favorite lines of the movie, I will say. He did. I I remember that one line because I feel like that's the line where I actually laughed out loud as a teenager. Like, haha, she is cheating. That's not right. And then, you know, he's just always like, look, you got to do this. Look, he, he's, I feel like he has a lot of control over the game, which is also a dynamic that I'm not sure about how the game is tied to reality because they don't explain nothing he like i got a key and the door is open i'm like well how powerful is this damn ghost because what can this i i need a manual i need a book i need an essay i need a powerpoint now see and that and that's one thing i think is a big missed opportunity here is okay if you're gonna do this video game thing and the thing with a lot of the movies of again this curse uh movie era is uh the rules to things like on like this is the rules on how it starts this is the rules of how things are going to happen and then these are the rules on how it ends so it's like it would have made more sense for this being you know based in a video game to have like it be explicit rules and then that be part of the them have to like outsmart the ghost being like hey like you know like we have to find workarounds around your rules like because that's a video game type deal instead it's just like because it's a ghost the rules just keep changing she's just like oh no you don't even have to actually be playing i'll play for you and then like stuff like that unpauses it like you know controls the environment she she has all this power but yet she needed them to play the video game to be released in the first place uh yeah many questions on uh the 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 rules of uh uh, of the game <laughs> what do you think cat about the uh kind of the logic of this game because i also uh had some questions about that i mean i agree i feel like um elizabeth bathory or whoever was the scam squad was moving the goalposts every five seconds throughout the movie existed like as soon as our characters were able to kind of get some sort of footing or get ahead or kind of figure something out and kind of regroup you know they're getting shaken up they're getting stirred up but when they're able to like all right we have a plan let's do this let's do that it feels like, like you pointed out, um, when Swink is like, hey, I'm not even dead. Like, it's automatically getting dark outside. That time when you see October just randomly outside smoking a jack and all of a sudden it's dark outside and she's not even playing the game. Like, that's when they figure out, like, okay, so the game is just playing on its own at this point. Mm-hmm. I felt like um, that, you know, they're, they're a scammer and doing exactly what I expect scammers to do the most um and elizabeth bathory like although they didn't really dive too much into her history um this kind of aligns with her scamming ass anyways like i <laughs> you're just luring people to their doom so y'all think if y'all playing a video game for shits and gigs and once again you're being lured to your doom i'm tired it's like if she can control the game then what's the point of making people play the game you can obviously just kill people it looks like so like well, what are you doing there but then um I would have wanted the movie too to like play more into like you said at at the like towards the end like when they're at the plantation and stuff like he like he goes oh here check the step and he like throws the crowbar in the game and that just like appears in real life it's like like okay like if like if we knew that this was gonna be a thing like let's get to this stuff faster you know like because they spent so much of the first half of the movie it being this mystery and going against the detectives that think they're the ones killing people uh and it's just like in them trying to wrap their head around like what's happening and there's even a scene where hutch uh comes to the friends after he uh hacks the fbi from the library because <laughs> you know gamer skills um he does that and then so he brings like all the the crime reports to them and it's like see all the crime scenes they died the same way they did in the game 
And then when October like comes with her information of like, oh yeah, so Elizabeth Bathory, she did all these things and she made this curse and he goes, do you hear what you are saying right now? It doesn't make sense. It was like, okay, y'all like pick it. Like, are you going to wrap your brain around this and like suspend your disbelief or are you guys like, so it's like they spend so much doing that and it's just like, this is not interesting. Let's get to more video game spooky shenanigans. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I felt like a lot of the film was kind of um, running in directions that didn't really end up going anywhere, right? Because you have uh, what you had mentioned is the police investigation, which is such a big part of the movie, but it ultimately is completely irrelevant. The cops could be removed from the film and they're not going to impact the the outcome of the movie at all, which I felt like was frustrating. The movie also, and it doesn't do it a lot, but Hutch is given some backstory uh, and some depth to the character, if you want to call it that. Uh, and it's specifically related to his trauma uh, regarding fire. And he has this fear uh, and this kind of like almost phobia of fire, which also doesn't really impact the climax of the film. I was very surprised by that because they do the typical sort of setup reminder and you're kind of just waiting for that payoff and it never uh, really comes in a satisfying way, I felt. Um, and I felt like there were a lot of uh, aspects of the movie that were lacking in some development and you have already all mentioned, uh, mentioned it, but the the lack of rules or uh, sticking to, to the rules really, I think was maybe even the biggest frustration I had in the movie period is that I think in these types of films and these survival horror movies, whether it is a nightmare on Elm street or uh, a final destination, especially the fun in watching those movies is watching our characters try to outsmart death and try to cheat death in creative ways and using their wits to do that. And I think that the movie doesn't one lean into what it's like playing a video game enough uh, and two, it just betrays any sort of fairness and, and rules that have been set, uh, uh, you know, in front of the audience. And I like the idea that uh, Elizabeth Bathory is a cheater in that, you know, maybe she would use glitches in the game to her advantage or something like that. I think that that would be great. But the movie never really established anything about her character as to why these loopholes were there. It just sort of is. It, it Like, it doesn't feel satisfying in a way or really feel like she out uh, you know one up them not to again have a, a video game pun but it didn't feel like there was this kind of tit for tat happening it just was like oh she's cheating now and she can do things because movie you know i i would have also preferred and you had already mentioned kind of like the uh and i think it's a great idea the like video the playing with the video games and then altering reality at the same time and i think there could have been a little bit more fun with that in that you know, maybe we could have seen some of these characters get some of the weapons that they had in the game, getting a crossbow, getting all of these other fun things, that mirror that was mentioned earlier, that's a cool way to pay that off. I mean, I don't hate the laptop being a reflection, but I think that mm -hmm. the movie is just lacking this overall cohesion to the point that it mostly just feels like you're watching these characters just get killed off. Um, and, and we'll definitely talk about uh, the death scenes for me, but I felt like, yeah, ultimately the uh, uh, direction of the film felt so aimless and kind of rushed. Maybe that's helped uh, in the extended cut. I would be actually curious to see if that's the case. Uh, but regardless, I feel like it's definitely an issue here with the final film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that because as you were saying, I was gonna definitely say that about the cops. They could have took the whole cop plot out. Fuck that. Fuck the police. Fuck 12. We could just go ahead and go with this and we could have spent more time because we see a lot of um 
I think what Swink's character, we see a lot of him playing the game. Cause mm-hmm. he like, once we take the first couple people out, he's like, yeah, you see his character. Where's everybody else avatar? Like, what are they like? You get the tiniest bit of them, but you could have seen more of them playing the game and really interacting with that environment a little bit. That would have been nice to do. Also, if they were going to go like, you know, the route, like you were saying, they, it felt like they were killing a lot of people off. If they were going to go that route, they could have just made it bleak and had everybody die. And I would have been okay. We could have spent a little bit more time on people's doom and demise. I think I would have enjoyed that if they were going to go that route. But then it's like, you made her cheat, you made the game unfair, but then they still somehow pulled through, which seems unfucking believable I don't understand how we just, oh, fire, yeah, okay, Rose Petals, all right, my friend is alive somehow. We mm-hmm. we don't see which, so I guess she just left him alive. What, what was that about? Like, I don't understand what that was about. Yeah. Well, well, but he he survived because he tripped into a bushel of roses. But then, but then, yeah. But then there was a thing where the game showed that he did. It showed on the game screen that he died. So, like, I I don't know. Like, I guess they it I, maybe that was a glitch. I guess like one instance of a glitch happening. But like mm-hmm. again, they never even like go the classic route of just like, hey, we, if we beat the game, we beat her. Boom, let's do that. Let's play the game. Let's be right? in it, you know, uh, and like do yeah. that. Like I'm surprised that that like that wasn't like the end ploy. It was like the whole yeah, we got to yeah. do this whole witchcraft thing. Especially considering uh, there's an early conversation between Hutch and Adam Bol- uh, Goldberg's character about he's like how do you beat the game and he's like gives him tips on how to beat the final boss and I was yeah. waiting for that to like come back and to, to again foreshadowing and payoff like <laughs> that's such like a, a basic screenwriting kind of tenet that I was so surprised that this movie just flagrantly disregarded that at like kind of every turn. So I was expecting, you know, those past conversations and, and past elements of the video game or just kind of video game culture to uh, uh, end up having that that payoff. And I totally agree with what you were saying, Jazz, is I felt like if, okay, if the movie is like, we're not really going to spend too much time on these characters, we're not going to spend too much time on like establishing the rules of this universe, that's fine. If you want to give me just kind of this slasher technology-based horror film, that's that's fine. I, you know, I don't need it to be a real thinker. But the movie doesn't also seem that interested in that either because a lot of these death scenes, yeah, you had mentioned, Devon, that it's a PG-13 movie. So there's not that sort of, uh, uh, you know, violent payoff. But beyond that, the setup for the kills, uh, like the the haunting to the death scene are so brief with all of these characters that it feels like the the movie doesn't really seem interested in building this tension with these characters. It just kind of like it gets dark, somebody mm. died, and it happens within like a minute of of when the scene really begins, which also was was kind of confusing for me because it's like, what are you what are you trying to do here? What's what's this movie's goal? You know? Yeah, Cat did uh did any of the the kills and the the connection to the games? Did any of them work for you? I know we've been kind of ragging on the movie a bit, but did, do do you can you find a, a glimmer of hope in any of that? I mean, it, hey, y'all gonna feel the way y'all feel about it. It's <laughs> fine. Um, at this point, I just because you know what, one every everybody's got an opinion, so it all works. Um, and the things you were saying are very valid. I think for me, I'm just like there were a couple moments that I wish we saw on cam. Like there was when, um, when old boy got hit by the carriage. Uh, what's my man's name? Yes. And Finn. And when Finn was out here getting ran over, I was like, okay, that worked for me. Um, I do understand what y'all talk about, like, you know, 
because it's a PG-13 film and however, you can obviously tell that it was edited a certain way, like with the abrupt cuts from one scene to the next. So that didn't really rub me wrong. Um, and I, now that I'm sitting back here thinking about like, I don't know which version of this film I saw. Like I can't, if I saw the unrated version, I can't remember what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wish for the scene with um, Frankie Muniz, I'm just calling Frankie Muniz because I'm tired of trying to remember. <laughs> um, but with his scene where, you know, you guys had talked about um, them falling into the roses and us thinking the viewer that, oh my God, they died. I really think for this movie with all of the death scenes that happen on and off camera and just a lot of the storyline period, it really requires you to buy into it. And then like, you know, fill in the blank as it goes. Like for example, if he died, you're probably thinking, oh, he died. But then my next thought is, well, he died off camera. So did it really happen? Like yeah. they're liable to come back. You have to really like apply those horror whatever's here, especially during this time period when they're still going off of what we're used to, the tropes. You have a random jump scare. Like there's random jump scares in this movie and nothing is fucking jumping out. It's just doom. And, what, and one like, of oh, the jump scares that is, you're mentioning is, is literally Frankie Muniz. Frankie Muniz. <laughs> <laughs> the one of the earliest jump scares is just Frankie Muniz like popping in the peephole of the door. And I outwardly <laughs> laughed for like five to seconds it was so funny (laughs) and it aligns with what all frankie muniz was doing during this time too (laughs) and and every and everything was uh had a a sound cue to it too like everything was telegraphed so it was like there was no even like surprises to them they would have a sound cue and it would be uh you know a little quick flash or something like there was uh in, in the very beginning one whenever like um whenever the the loomis kid dies but then also the friends also die the 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 flash of them dead was literally so fast that like I blinked and I missed it and I mm-hmm. had to rewind it to like see like it because like they like knew they could maybe get a frame of it in and they did that a couple times where they would like sneak a frame in and so and, and it's like I wonder was this like a you know last minute what what I assume uh would have been that this probably tested bad. So then they said, okay, if we're already going to lose money, let's try to make it PG-13. Let's cut it down. I feel like that might have yeah. been the case here because uh, why else would they make a PG-13 movie about the Countess Elizabeth Bathory who is known for doing all sorts of shit with draining blood? So yeah. so why would you you know greenlight a PG-13 movie about a blood countess to have no blood in it? So so I have a feeling that this was definitely like supposed to be R, especially also like her main weapon of uh, killing people, stabbing people with shears. How can you do that without blood? You know, so it's like there's there's all these reasons here to think that uh, mm-hmm. might have been a might have been a studio thing. Who knows? But um, yeah, because a lot of the kills I literally just put in the in my notes were uh died due to editing. Uh, there was a there was a quick a, a quick flash, some sound effects, and that's it. You're done. You're and then on to the next scene. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, it could be a case too of the kind of the time in which this came out and kind of where video games were at because video games are like the most popular, at least as far as like grossing wise and the money that it brings in, like the most lucrative entertainment business. More than music, more than movies, more than TV. Video games are huge nowadays. In 2006, maybe not. Maybe they weren't quite as big then. And so maybe the studio went. By the way, the studio for this movie in the opening credits is a Stay Alive production, which I thought was was really really funny. Uh, but maybe it was just a case of like I don't know. It's 2006. Who likes video games? Teenagers. Let's market to them. And you know this could be a movie that 
that they want to go see because only teenagers like video games, right? You know, so I, I could see that being uh, maybe a, a little bit of uh, uh, ignorance from the studio's perspective. So, yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, uh, a little blood goes a long way, personally. Yeah, I, I also want to talk about, I guess, the aesthetic of the, the video game and the way that some of this was, uh, you know, shown and this was made in 2006. Um, you know, I mean, but back in 2006, we still had some movies with some decent effects. And again, like, it's funny because the video game itself, like for the era, like looked era appropriate. You know, it looked as good as it would have been in 2006. Um, but then whenever we kind of have this effect of like the ghosts kind of being digital in the real world, uh, it came off uh, pretty wonky more often times than not. Uh, I, f I wish they just would have found a way to have Elizabeth be a physical being like faster and like like that would have been like the first thing that she did was like reclaim her like physical body. So at least we're going to have her in physical form because we're going to have her a lot. We, we kind of want to see the good version, you know. Um, so it's like they, they kind of made some interesting choices with that. But I will say the very opening of the game whenever they like go in and then they like open into like the the foyer of the the uh the mansion that looks like color scheme and everything and like kind of like the glitchiness does it not look like the intro to blumhouse like the the little <laughs> the the spinning chair and the girl in the corner that yes, just a bit i feel like uh jason uh, is a fan of this movie i'm not sure uh who's to say but uh, it, it it was giving me those vibes uh, for for a minute, but uh, but what do you guys think of uh, kind of the look of the game? Like, if you uh, it, are you a gamer, and if you are or are not a gamer, would you play this game? I would not label myself as a gamer. However, I do like playing video games, so I don't know where that falls in. Kind of like a sneakerhead. It's like I'm not a sneakerhead, but I I like collecting shoes. Kind of like that. It's in that realm. Um, I would play this game. Um, as long as we not dying for real in the game, um, that's what, cause I, I, if it's, I may just only make it past the first level. Cause I get a little scared. Sometimes the game start feeling like real life when you put your headphones on and I get a little pussy. So I got to close the game, <laughs> pack it me up or it's over. Um, but if people are dying and if there's like an urban legend attached to this game, I absolutely would not play it. Like, especially when you're hearing that, oh, like this could be an indie game and we know how the indie games go. They could be hit or miss. They're kind of cool, especially now and this time it's a toss-up if i start hearing creepy stuff about the game i'm not playing um i definitely will watch someone else play from a distance yeah um i'm not playing the game if it's a uh, urban legend i'm not playing i'm not i don't play horror games like that i like to watch people on twitch play them because again it's i feel like i have too much control i might play something like walking dead telltale like that where you might play a little bit but you're mostly making choices or uh what's that other game uh something about life whatever life is strange that one where you're making choices and i play like the sims or i play fallout i like to make choices um and see how that affects the world this is not a game where i explore a mansion that's i'm not playing that uh, i would watch someone play on twitch and then hopefully i wouldn't die just by being on a stream it did look good though I thought it looked better than most video games for 2000, but honestly, because some of the characters were still a little, a little like boxy, not boxy all the way, but the characters were still a little shaky in 2005. The graphics were not, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't top tier yet. So I was like, mm, this is an expensive game. Oh, this is one of those games that definitely cost $59.99 out of GameStop <laughs> or the day it came out in 2005, which was really expensive because now games are like $70, $80, some of them even $99. 
back then, no, the top tier game was like $59.99. Ooh, that that is the new. I was like, oh, this is expensive. <laughs> this is given like when Dreamcast first came out a little bit. Ooh. I was like, okay, graphics. I love that. I like that. I I will watch people play it. The game is interesting, like exploring everything, but I'm not, I'm not doing that. I won't do that. But I did like that concept though. Yeah, yeah, I was a I was a big um I would like watch my like cousins and uncles. I'd watch them play Resident Evil and shit like that. I never uh, got into them myself. I'm uh, I just play Madden. That's literally about the only thing I play. Uh, so definitely not a game or fighting games. I was always a fighting games person. But uh, you know, uh, so so yeah, like you guys, I'd watch somebody play this, and hopefully that would be the loophole in me not uh dying with it. Uh, I'll watch them, but I will not. I don't have to say the the incantation because I ain't playing. So yeah, so as long as I'm just uh, chilling in the room with you, uh, I'm you know I'm I'm scot free I think. Uh, so but yeah, I, I think it, I think it looks pretty good. Like it looks spooky, looks creepy. Uh, I think uh, homeboy at the beginning was being a little bit dramatic when he was like, "Bro, it's scary. This is one of the scariest things I've ever seen." Uh, he he shouted out like a, an actual game at the time. I forget what it was. It was like secret tapes or back rooms so, or it was Silent Hill Two, I believe. Well, well, he called out Silent Hill Two, but they referenced like another game too. Oh, uh, I see, I see. Uh, which uh, uh, also hilarious, uh, cute at the beginning. Uh, normalize calling your bro when you're scared after playing a video game. <laughs> uh, he wanted his homie to come over because he was scared. He was like, hey, man, what you doing? And he was like, oh, no. He's like, all right, it's cool. Even though he did have other people at the house still. Uh, but uh, I just thought that was really funny. Um, but um, but yeah, uh, Garrett, what about you? Would, would you play this? Uh, not a huge gamer uh, in horror video games. I've not taken too far of the plunge in because uh, although I, I love horror and I love being scared, something about horror video games, man, it gets me. Uh, I like scares the shit out of me. I've seen some friends play some some pretty uh, uh, spooky games. I've, I've tried my hand a few times, but it mostly just ends up with me being like, OK, I, where's the key? I need the key and I need the clue to find the key. And I just do that for two hours and then I get bored. But uh, this does look pretty fun. I think it also looks era specific, especially like cutscenes at the time. I, I think that this looks uh, quite good, quite reminiscent of like a Resident Evil, a Silent Head or, or a Silent uh, Hill or like a Dead Rising or something like that. Um, but I think for me, I loved uh, beyond like the silly these people don't really act like gamers. I loved how this was able to incorporate things like the controller rumble. I thought that that was fun. Uh, and that sort of be, there was that scene with, um, uh, with Adam Goldberg's character and it was like rumbling under, you know, his bed or something uh, like that. Yeah, it was yeah. causing this noise, this vibration. I thought that that was, was really cool, but yeah, this game is not how gamers act. Like the scene where, you know, they all start playing the game and then there's like that little ghost girl and he's like, man, what do I do? And it's like, <laughs> in real life, you would have smoked that little child and teabagged them, you know, like you wouldn't have thought twice about it. And I love that this, they were like really shook to their core to be playing this game. And it's like, come on, it's a video game. And then like, we what see, do you expect? And then we see them playing later and they're like supposed to be like hitting like lingo and stuff like, ooh, good eye, nice yeah. sniping, and blah, blah, blah. Totally, like, totally. Like, it's, yeah, uh, it's, it's really silly, but it's kind of endearing. You know, I, I think it's fun that it's like, 2006 they're really trying to appeal to the gamers then you know <laughs> oh yeah they they had no clue but uh hey but they did shout out game informer at the end of the movie so oh, shout out so, game informer so, one so, time so huge they, part of my childhood so we did get that so uh so uh let's go ahead and get into our final thoughts out of uh out of five controllers because of course we're gaming here uh cat what are you giving uh stay alive out of five uh controllers can use halves uh Okay, I am giving Stay Alive um, three out of five controllers. Um, 
that's all I got to have. Y'all already know my thoughts on it. Um, it's the nostalgia for me. It's not the best movie, but also it paved the way for a lot of the shit that we're into now. So go ahead and give her her flowers. Three out of five. <laughs> right, what about you, Jazz? Um, I know I complained a lot about it, but I, on my actual letterbox, it's a, it's a three out of five. I definitely gave it a three out of five. It has a lot of problems, but I just suspended my disbelief and, of course, nostalgia because I was like 15. And again, I feel like I saw this in theaters. I remember this. This is stuck on me. I was like, oh, yeah, that fun movie. I was never really that afraid of it, although the concept is scary, but three, three out of five controllers. Yeah, I'm trying to be as as fair to this movie as I can be because I feel like I was kind of that tar target uh, demographic when this movie came out and it really freaked me out then. And here I am now as like a full-grown adult being like, mm, not scary enough, not violent enough. So I will give the movie the benefit of the doubt and give it a two and a half out of five uh, video game controllers. So yeah, all the reasons that I mentioned doesn't quite work for me now. It was still fun, still engaged, still entertaining. But uh, I think that there's definitely, definitely some potential. So I'm curious to see if the uh, unrated cut improves some of the things that we were kind of griping about yeah we're gonna have to hunt down that dvd um uh yeah so i'm sitting at a uh, crispy two out of five um you know i i can't say that i disliked it so i won't give it lower than that and and uh you know people that listen to the podcast know that like uh, potential can get you uh, extra brownie points for me uh but it can also tear you down a little bit and the thing is is like they had elements that were there like it's not like they had nothing to work with here you know so it's like they had things that were there and just kind of uh didn't uh you know prioritize certain things uh whether it be tonally uh the way the game mechanics worked anything like that but it's like it's not like it wasn't there so like that's what frustrates me with the movie more than anything um, is like even again they could have found ways around with the PG-13 with like you know different bloodless deaths and things like that and uh, just yeah. could have been having a little bit more fun with it Um, you know but I will say there were a couple shots that made me say oh that's kind of cool like whenever we see um October outside smoking and then we see the video game scream and they're like moving together I was like hey that's kind of cool Um, you know so it's like it made me say that a few times so I, I can't say that I dislike the movie but um uh, it was trying a little too hard, but in the wrong places. Uh, and and I'll also I'll give uh, John Foster credit, the guy that plays Hutch, because uh, he is acting his ass off. He's trying to uh, for for the the little bit of emotion that we do get out of this movie. Uh, I'll give him his flowers because he's he's in a different movie. He uh, he came in. Uh, he he seems like a, maybe the thespian of the group probably. Uh, cause he, he was really playing it. Like whenever he's like reacting to some of these deaths. So, you know what? I'll, I'll give him a little sugar right there. So, uh, two out of five from me. Uh, but let's see what other movies we were thinking about while we were playing stay alive. Here on Spectre Cinema Club, we like to conclude uh, all of our conversations by playing Movie Math, a game of our own. Uh, you just have to take some films that reminded you of the movie that we talked about today uh, and put it in a mathematical equation. So, Kat, what films made you, ah, 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 staying alive, staying alive? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so we're going to throw all, like, A Nightmare on Elm Street um, meets, like... Hostile, but minus all the things that don't have anything to do with the Hostile 2. All the things that don't remind you of Elizabeth Bathory. So we're going to throw that there because that movie came out a year after this one. Um, and then a little bit of The Ring. So we're going to add that this is a crazy math equation because it is a haunted um, tape and not a video game because 
how many movies do we know exist like that? But basically it's a piece of technology that's here to whoop your ass. So I don't know what kind of math equation I just put together, but like you, like a nightmare on Elm Street, you die in your sleep, you die for real. You die in this game, you dead in real life, it's over. True that, true that. You know, we might have uh, maybe some parentheses in there, but it's all in there. Your math work checks out. What about you, Jazz? Um, I was really feeling like Hellraiser Hellworld um, plus The Ring might equal uh stay alive i was like no 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 it's the video game but then the ring is taking the ghostly effects and wrapping them up you to open some shit up and now you gotta fight for your life and that ghost is about to beat your ass that's what else was about to happen so that's my equation kept it uh i kept it pretty simple on mine uh i didn't include the ring i knew it would be shouted out a couple times especially with my little uh cold open there um uh so i went a little bit simple uh i went with uh the one miss call remake um, because the original one is pretty good. The remake, not so great, um, but it uh, has a very similar visual aesthetic to it, but then also, uh, you know, tying in, you know, fears of technology, and that one, like, really leans into, like, oh, yeah, anybody could get your cell phone number, and, uh, you know, when can you believe danger, because it could always be a prank call, uh, you know, so, like, kind of had some stuff like that, but then also the curse angle as well, um, and then I added that to uh, Darkness Falls, also from this era, uh, Darkness Falls, first uh, uh, horror movie I saw in theaters, scared the shit out of me because I was uh, coming up on my last tooth to fall out, but um, I-, I shouted that one out because of the, the kind of uh, folklore, uh, urban, la- or urban legend angle that it plays with, and also uh, some visual aesthetic vibes, and then also main character dealing with some uh, PTSD as well. So, uh, so I just added those together. So my equation is pretty simple this week. Uh, Garrett, what you rocking with? I did want to shout out the Hellraiser Hellworld. That's a great pick. That's a great deep cut pull. So I appreciate that. Uh, But in parentheses, I have uh, Jumanji, another movie about playing a game and the consequences of that. And if you something happens in the game, it happens in real life. Uh, Plus, obviously, The Ring, you've got that kind of viral sensation, you know, uh, watch the tape, you die in a certain amount of uh, days. So I think that's certainly there. But a race to the power of Final Destination because I feel mm-hmm. like it, this, the first one, I feel like it's certainly there in the fact that this is also like a mid-2000s movie. I think the vibe is is, is really there um, as well. So I think that this kind of looked towards Final Destination. It was like, how can we do that but slightly worse? <laughs> yeah, I feel like it, it, it's funny. After, after the first two movies, the Final Destination movies finally got wise to like ditch the cop angle. Um, you know, because the, the first two did were heavy on that, like, oh, are you guys just actually killing each other, you know, and like, uh, that kind of whole thing. Um, but yeah, so, so I see that in there and, uh, definitely with Jumanji as well. Jumanji, one of my all time favorites. Uh, mm-hmm. so I like the, uh, the game comparison. That was a good pull there. I didn't even think about that, but, uh, uh, you Thank can, you, you can, uh, hear me on uh scarred for life. I, uh, talked about that, uh, Jumanji as, uh, the, the movie that, uh, scared me as a kid. I, I pulled a fast one on them pulling a non horror movie in there. Um, but, uh, I, I would say everybody's math equations are checking out. Uh, these are all making sense and, uh, I, I feel the vibes and it, it, it was a nice, uh, trip down memory lane to, uh, to take on stay alive. So Thank you, uh, Kat and Jazz, for bringing this to us. Uh, so go ahead and uh, tell the good people where they can find you and uh, tell them about the podcast, of course. Hey, guys. Well, uh, you can find us both at Girl That's Scary on Twitter and Instagram. You know, we got a little website, okay. www.girlthatscary.com. Uh, pretty much if you type in Girl That's Scary, 
we are going to pop up. We have a new episode every weekly, every Thursday. You know, pull up on us. We're talking here to talk about horror, sci-fi, and everything in between. So we would love to chat about with y'all about horror stuff all day. Love that. Uh, I also love the name Girl That's Scary. That, that's such a great title. Uh, I feel like it really kind of uh, captures your guys' energy. So this was a lot of fun. It was lovely meeting you two. Uh, but if you guys want to hear uh, some more from me, you can follow me uh, at Letterboxd or Twitter or Instagram or Threads or Le- <laughs> or TikTok or all of the other social media that's coming out today. Uh, just at Garrett McDowell. Uh, but if you want to hear some more podcast stuff from myself, you can subscribe to my Star Wars podcast uh, at Scum and Villainy. We'd love to uh, have you on over there. But uh, what about you, Devon? Hey, you know me. I am like the musicians on the Titanic. I will be tweeting on Twitter until it is no more. Uh, So uh, I will not be on any of the other socials until it is officially dead in the ground. I will hang around. All right. Uh, and on Instagram and on uh, Letterboxd at underscore Daddy Disco. Uh, you can find uh, the podcast and all the same things and TikTok at Spectre Cinema. Um, what are we looking at next week? We are taking on Tragedy Girls. So we're going back to uh, the social media realm, uh, digging in there as we continue on our theme of Wi-Fi or die. But now go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Spectre Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Subscribe to not miss a thing. You can follow us on social media at Spectre Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us five stars, a nice little review. We appreciate you. But until next time, guys, stay lifted.